put all musicians and singers on notice that we're going to sing that again at the end as we close this message tonight. I just, boy, that song is powerful. That's the word I was looking for, Jerry. Thank you. It is powerful. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 as we continue this evening in our study uh, or our walkthrough of this book of Ephesians. Uh, last Sunday night, uh, Brother Todd looked at a section talking about the work of Christ. The week before, I talked about the work of the Father. Tonight, we come to talk about the work of the Spirit. This is a very Trinitarian passage. It concentrates on the, the whole of the Trinity, the whole of the Godhead in the process of salvation. It makes it clear that the Father planned and purposed salvation from before the foundation of the world. The Son came into the world in time and space and went to the cross and died on the cross as a redemptive work, as a salvific work that we might have life and might have it eternal. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies that salvation and who works it out within our lives and helps us to see our need for it. He brings conviction. He brings uh, uh, the, the work and applies the work of Christ to our life. And I hope we see that tonight as we finish up this passage. I was real tempted tonight to, uh, to not do Ephesians and to, to bring another message, which I'm, I did not do, but I may very well do next Sunday night. I haven't decided for sure yet. Uh, I may just continue on in Ephesians, but next time I may break and bring a message that is entitled The Intolerance of Tolerance in light of all the things that have happened this week, specifically with Chick-fil-A and uh, all of that. And so uh, I had thought I'd do it tonight, but I'm still com compiling all my uh, evidence, if you will, of the intolerance of tolerance. And so uh, we'll talk about that uh, hopefully next Sunday night, Lord willing. That's what we'll do. And we may end up continuing Ephesians. I don't know. Follow along, though, as I read in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to begin back in verse 3 and read through verse 14, uh, covering the passages I looked at two weeks ago and that Todd looked at last week, and then we will, because this is all, as we said, he said, I said both, this is one sentence in the Greek. It's one continuous thought. There is no break. As a matter of fact, if I read it in the proper way, I would not even hardly take a breath. I won't do that, but it's, uh, it, it's almost hard to read that way without it. But listen to what Paul writes as he's writing to the Ephesian Christians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to, the purpose, uh, to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, 
to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. And then tonight's text. In Him, that is in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Only two things here, really, that the Apostle Paul is saying about the work of the Spirit in this particular text. And I want you to see that tonight very clearly. He's talking about the Spirit here being a Spirit who seals us and a Spirit who is a pledge for us, or if you will, an earnest for us. Uh, The Holy Spirit has a work in our lives. Once He's brought conviction, once we have come to faith in Christ, a work in our life of perseverance, a work of, in our life of protection. And that's what Paul is wanting us to see here and get clearly. He starts out in verse 13 by talking about the factors that are involved in salvation. This is important because a lot of people look at this and they'll see that first part where God has chosen us before the foundation of the world And some will say, well, if if you're chosen by God before the foundation of the world, then then why do you have to worry about it? Why do you have to believe? Why do you have to have faith? Why do you have to trust? It's because salvation is contingent upon your faith. It's contingent upon you hearing the gospel. It's contingent upon you believing the gospel. There are four things there in verse 13 that, that Paul talks about as factors in becoming a Christian. The first factor is this. You hear the gospel. You hear the truth. Uh, in one place in the New Testament, it says, how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they have a preacher unless one is sent? And, and there's an understanding that a part of God's plan, a part of God's purpose in all of this is that the gospel be proclaimed throughout the world, that the gospel be preached. And when the gospel is preached, the gospel will be heard. The truth of God's grace, the truth of God's calling, the truth of God's sufficiency and His sovereignty and and all things that are wrapped up in the person and the work of Christ and the person and the work of God the Father, those things are encapsulated in the message of the gospel. No one comes to Christ, no one is saved, no one will be in heaven one day who does not hear the gospel. Understand that. I realize we live in a day which says, well, now what about the the, you know, the, the innocent native on the African continent or an island out in the middle of the Pacific, the innocent native who's never heard the gospel. A, there is no innocent native anywhere. That's a, that's a non-starter. That, that is a, a non-existent person. Everybody is a sinner by virtue of being born in Adam. Scripture is very clear on that. There's not a whole lot of discussion. There's not a whole lot of debate in the Scripture. All men everywhere are sinners. And on, the only way to a relationship with God, according to the Scripture, is through the gospel. Once you have heard the gospel. Listen, if people were safe in other parts of the world because they have never heard the gospel, if they were safe because they've never heard the gospel, we are doing them an injustice. We are doing them a grave damage by sending missionaries to them. If they're safe without the gospel... Please don't send anybody to tell them the gospel because they will find themselves then condemned because they've heard the gospel if they have not accepted it, if they've not believed it. So listen, if you're safe without the gospel, then let them alone. Problem is they're not safe without the gospel. 
There's no salvation apart from hearing the gospel. And, and then Paul says, once you have heard it in him, after, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you have also believed. The second part, the second element or factor in, a, in becoming a Christian is trusting the Savior, believing in Christ. You hear the gospel. The Spirit of God is at work drawing you. The Spirit of God is at work opening your eyes and opening your heart. And you believe that he is who he said he was. You believe that the message of the gospel is true. So you hear the gospel, you trust the Savior, you believe in Christ. Then there is a repenting of sin. There, there is a repentance that is involved in believing. Now, some people say, well, no, no, you might even say, here, Paul doesn't use the word repentance here, no. But understand this, faith and repentance are, the, are two sides of the same coin. They go together. There's no such thing as, as having faith without repenting. There's no such thing as repenting without having faith. They go together. Trusting Christ and repenting of sin is, is a part of becoming a Christian. And then the third part is the receiving of the Spirit. Or the fourth part, rather, is the receiving of the Spirit, which is what Paul is wanting us to see the significance of and the importance of here. No one is a believer, Paul told the Christians, who doesn't have the Spirit of God. Some are saying, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have the Spirit. No, Paul said, if you don't have the Spirit, then you're not of Him. If you, don't, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not really a believer. You may think you are, but receiving the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit, having the presence of the Spirit in your life is a part of becoming a Christian. And Paul is wanting to make that very clear. And so he talks about this work of the Spirit in my life and your life as believers. The first thing he says is that you were sealed... S-E-A-L-E-D, sealed in Him. You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed in Christ. He is your seal. He has sealed you. And you say, well, what, you, what does that mean? Well, you, think about it a minute. What do you think about when you, you think about something being sealed? Something being you know, completely and totally sealed. Well, in, in a... In Pulaski County, right about this time of year, we think about sealing vegetables, don't we? Put them in a, put them in a jar, do certain hocus-pocus things to them with boiling water and stuff. It pops and they're sealed. And that, that protects the vegetables until you're ready to open them, or at least hopefully it does. But the definition here goes a little deeper than that when he talks about you were sealed. The definition of the word that Paul uses here for sealed is literally a word that means stamped or imprinted. You are stamped or imprinted in Christ by the Holy Spirit of promise. The description's interesting here how Paul talks about the Spirit. He, he calls him the Holy Spirit. Literally, it is the Spirit of God, the Holy One, is how that works itself out there. And he's holy in his character. He is a part of the Godhead. He's a part of the Trinity, the triune nature of God. And God is a holy God. And we talk about the, the holiness of God being that attribute of God that is above all other attributes in one sense. In the sense that, that God is holy, we, we know he has a holy love, he has a holy righteousness, he has a holy justice. All those things are predicated on and defined by the idea of holiness. And the spirit that seals us in Christ is the Holy Spirit. He's none other than God himself, a part of the deity, a part of of the Godhead. But he also says he's the Holy Spirit of promise. 
He's the Holy Spirit, and He is the promised Spirit. Promised as to His availability. Promised as to His presence. Promised as to His always being with us. You think back to Acts chapter 1, when when Jesus was beginning to depart or or leaving the world. And and in 1 chapter 4, they they all gathered together, and He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for... for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This promised Spirit was promised by Christ in his commission, promised by Christ as he ascended back into heaven from earth, back in in that particular time with the apostles. And it's promised not only for them, but also for us. Or in 2.33, Uh, Luke writes, therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and now hear. Pentecost was the coming of the promised Holy Spirit who has been given that we might be strengthened, has been given that we might understand our adoption, has been given that we might understand what we are and who we are in Christ Jesus. There's four truths about this ceiling that I want you to see that, that perhaps gives us a little clarity on understanding the work of the Spirit in our life. First of all, the sealing of the Spirit is a mark of completion of a transaction. This idea of sealing is the mark of completion of a transaction. The transaction we're talking about here is a transaction of salvation or redemption. Uh, when at the cross, Christ took our sin on himself, and Christ gave us of his righteousness. There was this transaction that took place there, and the Holy Spirit being promised, and the Holy Spirit coming is, is, a, is a seal, if you will, of the completion of that, of that transaction. Uh, sometimes you go to have a transaction done. Maybe you're selling a house or selling an automobile or or, or maybe you're just signing your kid up to go to camp with the church or something. But one of the things you have to do is you have to go and sign something, and, and you have to have a notary to, to put a seal on that, a notary seal. And basically what that seal says is, I know this person, I've been in the presence of this person, I've seen identification, this is the person that is entering into this relationship, entering into this transaction, and so it is sealed by a notary stamp. Well, Paul is just simply saying, here, I want you to understand The transaction of salvation in your life is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Because of His presence in your life, you know it's a reality. Because of His presence in your life, you know the transaction has taken place. Secondly, the the second mark of this sealing is it authenticates it as being genuine. It authenticates. The presence of the Holy Spirit indicates and authenticates what has happened in your life is a genuine experience of salvation through the Spirit, by the Lord Jesus Christ, purposed by the Father. The, the, this idea of sealing says it's, it's the real deal. It's, it's true. And the presence of the Spirit authenticates that. Thirdly, it indicates ownership. You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is saying, Christ owns you now. Christ has bought you. It's been verified, it's been completed, it's been authenticated, and now there's this indication of ownership. I 
am owned by Jesus Christ. I am in him, purchased by his blood, and I belong to him. And this ceiling carries with it this idea of ownership and, 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 and being bought, redeemed by him. A third truth about this ceiling is, is simply this. It ensures protection. You have been sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. He protects us. If you go this afternoon or this evening, as you leave here and you go to the, you go by one of the many drug stores up and down 27 out here, any number of places you can choose. I won't give any advertisements. But you go to a drug store, if you go get some medicine over the counter or typically even prescription, you go and get that medicine, and when you get it, it's in a bottle, and you take the top off expecting to be able to take a pill out or whatever, and, and there's something there that is on top of it. it. has to be peeled away. It has to be torn away. It's called a seal, and it's there for your protection. It's there to protect the, the contents of that bottle. And, and what Paul is saying here by us being sealed in Christ is we are protected by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our shield. The Holy Spirit is our, our strength. The Holy Spirit is the one who protects us in this life against ourself and against the world and against the devil and everything else. He is our source of protection. He protects us as our seal. We are sealed in Him. Now, one of the things, and, and the next verse will even further strengthen this, but one of the things this points to is our absolute security in Christ. I want you to see that. It shows us our absolute security in Christ. Why are we secure in Christ? We're secure in Christ not because of what I can do, not because of what I have done, not because I can accomplish this and I can keep myself and I can protect myself. I can't, and you can't either. But you are secure and you are safe and you are protected in Christ because he has sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is your seal. He has he authenticates it. He verifies it. He shows ownership, and he protects you from everything that would come your way. He is your source of strength in every area of the Christian life. There's a security in being sealed by the Holy Spirit. You could go back into the Gospels and, and see things like the sealing of the tomb when Jesus was placed in the tomb. Now, the idea was that once that Roman seal was placed on that door, there was nobody going to get in there or get out of there. And, and humanly speaking, they couldn't. Humanly speaking, they would have faced a, a cohort of, of Roman soldiers who would have killed them on the spot for trying to break that seal. And humanly speaking, what was on the inside certainly wasn't going to come out because what was on the inside was dead. And, it, and typically in the course of human history... That which is dead stays dead. So it's a very, very abnormal thing for something that's dead to walk out of a tomb. Would you agree with that? Unless a few examples, Lazarus and Jesus and a few like that. But for the most part, the seal of the Roman government said, this thing is shut, it's sealed, it's protected. There's nobody going in and there's nobody coming out. And humanly speaking, that was exactly right. But this seal, this seal is a protection by deity itself, by deity himself. This seal is protecting us 
against everything. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, And this Holy Spirit, off promise, who is given as a pledge or an earnest or a down payment or a deposit, all of those words would fit there as synonyms uh, with the Greek word that's used there. For it, it is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, that is us, to the praise of His glory. You see back there in verse 11, Todd dealt with this last week. Uh, Todd was afraid I was going to come back and preach the same text all over again because I didn't think he did it adequately, but he did it very well last week. Uh, you know, it says in verse 11, Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. We have obtained an inheritance. And then in verse 14, Paul says, carrying that same idea through, that the Holy Spirit of promise is given as a pledge of our inheritance. What's he saying there? He's saying that in reality, when you are in Christ, when you are adopted into his family, when you have trusted Christ, heard the gospel, believed the gospel, trusted in Christ, repented of sin, been given the Spirit and given new life, when that takes place, in all reality, you have the inheritance as a child of God. You've got heaven when you die. You've got a, you've got a home with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And that's all, I mean, that's something glorious, isn't it? We, we all would agree. That's a glorious thing. However, you can't really see that, can you? You still live where you live. You still struggle with the same struggles that you live with every day. You, you still have money problems and health problems. And, and we know that there'll be no sickness in heaven. We know that when we're there in His presence, we'll be totally healed. But yet we, we just, we know that by the promise of the Scripture, but we just don't, we, we can't see it. That's why... The, the scripture says, in this life we walk by faith, not by sight, because we can't see it. Someday we'll see it in all of its glory. Someday we'll see it in all of its fruition, all of its completion. But right now, we, we believe it because we have been told it by the Word, by the Lord, by the Scripture. Paul said, I want you to understand this. Here, here's, here's the pledge of that that, G, that that God has given to you. Here's the... Here's the down payment. Here's the deposit. Here's the earnest money that he's given us. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. If you were to come to me tonight and say, Bill, I want you to know that when I die, you're in my will and you're going to inherit a million dollars. Please come to me tonight and say that. But if you were to come to me tonight and say that, I could, I could say, sure, I, I understand that. I believe that. But if you were to say, I tell you what, just as a, a down payment, just, just to show you I'm serious about this, here, here's $100,000. Just take it and, and go ahead and, and start experiencing some of the joy of the inheritance that you're going to get. That's what Paul's saying here. You don't have all of heaven. You don't have all of the joy. You don't have all of the sight. You don't have all of the understanding that you're one day going to have. But by the Holy Spirit being given to you as a seal and as a 
down payment as a pledge, you experience some of it. You experience some of the joy of heaven, not all of it. You experience some of the joy of your inheritance that you have in Christ, but, but not all of it. Boy, it's enough. It's enough to keep our hearts, it's enough to keep our hearts directed toward Him. It's enough to keep our minds directed toward Him. It's enough to say, you know, it really is true. I know it's true because His Spirit is testifying in my heart that I belong to Him. I know it's true because the Spirit is active. The Spirit is protecting me. The Spirit is guiding me. The Spirit is leading me. I know it's true because God has given me a down payment of the glory of the inheritance that is yet to come. I don't have it all yet. But yet, someday I will have it all. But He's given me enough to know that's true. There's there's two simple central truths to this, I think, that, that, that Paul is saying. One is, God has given us a pledge of a complete salvation. A pledge of a complete salvation. You know, it, we talk a lot about we have been saved if we are in Christ. And, and that's true. I mean, there is a sense in which our salvation is complete. If we have trusted Christ, there is that past dimension where our sins, the penalty of our sins have been forgiven. There's no more any penalty for sin. And we have been saved. But there's the other sense, and we've talked about this, where where we are yet being saved. That's sanctification. There is a there is a we are being saved not from the penalty of sin. That's settled in justification. But we are being saved from the power of sin in our life. Power ought to have less effect on us. Sin, excuse me, sin ought to have less effect on us tomorrow than it does today, or, or less today than it did yesterday. Because there's that sanctifying work of the Spirit that is showing us our salvation and applying our salvation, and we are growing. And so we have been saved, but we are being saved. But there's a sense in which we must never forget that we will yet one day be saved. Not just from the penalty of sin, not just from the daily power of sin, but we will be saved from the very presence of sin. That's a complete salvation. And, And that's what Paul is saying here. Listen, the Spirit is given as a pledge that a complete salvation is coming. Now, I realize that all illustrations break down. I've given you a notary seal, and I've given you a a bottle of medicine, all those kind of break down to some degree, and this one will too, but I kind of like to think of that pledge as a, of a complete salvation as, as being the same role as uh, most of you have experienced one way or another in an engagement ring. You know, the one you love gives you an engagement ring, and they ask you to marry them, and you don't get married right then. There's, there's yet something to come down the road, but there's this process now that you enter into, but you've got that ring on your finger, that, that diamond usually, and, and that, that ring is on your finger, and you, you can look at that and you always say, I'm, that, that's a pledge, that's a promise. Now, humans break promises, we realize that, and that can happen, but, but the point is, that is, that's a pledge that there's going to be a completion, there's going to be a marriage, it's going to be a wedding. And, and what Paul is saying here is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit of promise is that pledge. He's, he's sort of like your engagement ring. It's real. But it's not nearly as real or nearly as good as what is yet to come. And that's the way it is in our Christian life. And then he's also, I think, just talking about, and I kind of touched on this earlier, got ahead of myself a little bit, but, but this idea of him being a, a pledge of our inheritance is that he's just he's given us sort of a foretaste of future blessedness. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Kind of like a, kind of like a food tasting, you know. You can go to and you can, you can have a little bit of food from different places and you, you get a little bit of something that really tastes good and you say, oh man, I want to go back and have the full course. It's kind of what the Spirit is our life. It's a foretaste of the blessedness that is yet to come. So God the Father purposed and planned our salvation. God the Son came and bought our salvation, accomplished our salvation as only He could. And, and God the Holy Spirit is, is applying that salvation and is promising that salvation and is affecting that salvation and is, is showing us what we will yet have, a, a bit of it anyway, right now. But I want you to understand this, and this is so crucial to what Paul is trying to say in this one thought. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what they do. And it's that very last phrase, to the praise of His glory. You were saved, if you're a believer, if you're in Christ, you were saved that your life might be to the praise of His glory. That was the reason. That was the purpose. Above everything else. You say, oh, I thought my salvation was because God wanted me to be happy. No. I thought my salvation was because God really wanted me in heaven to be with Him someday. No. See, that puts it all about you. Salvation is all about the purpose that God gives us. Now, is it, is it a benefit and a side that we're happier and more joyful? Is it a benefit that, that we will be in heaven with Him one day and be able to experience that? Absolutely, that's a, it's a great side benefit. But the reason for your salvation, the reason for my salvation, the reason that we are left on this earth after we are saved is that our lives, our salvation, what the Father plans, what the Son accomplishes, and what the Spirit applies will be to the praise of His glory. That's it. Your life in Christ is to be to the praise of His glory. Your life in Christ is to reflect Him. Not so that people look at you and say, oh, what a good person you are. No. Oh, what a great God you serve. Oh, what a great Savior you have. Oh, what a great Spirit empowers you. Oh, what a great triune God in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has purpose, has bought, and has sealed your salvation. How great is this God. And we live to the praise of His glory. Because of that, All I have is Christ. 
is all I need. And his spirit shows me that and reminds me of that and teaches me that every single day. May your life be lived. May my life be lived to the praise of his glory. May God's glory and grace be praised from this pulpit, but also from our lives every day. Let's pray together as the musicians come back. Father, we sing, all I have is Christ, because He is our Redeemer, He is our Savior, He is our hope, but we know, O oh Lord, that in Him we have adoption into Your family. We know that in Him we have been sealed by Your Holy Spirit. And if we are in Him, and He is in you, and the Spirit is protecting in every respect, that we are secure in you for all of eternity. Thank you for that, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.